just because you have a pumpkin spice latte or <laughs> just because you really like this one type of laundry detergent that is not all natural, it is not going to be the primary reason that you don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really not. It's a cumulative effects of things over time that really impacts our fertility. Welcome to the Messy Mom Podcast by Fit Mama and 30. I'm Bailey. And I'm Carrie. And the Messy Mom Podcast is all about ditching the idea of perfection during motherhood and embracing the messy, ranging from topics about pre and postnatal health and wellness, infertility, mom guilt, and of course, the craziness that comes with raising a family. So if you would like to live on this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review as this helps other mamas learn to embrace the messy with us. So get ready for 30 minutes of real, raw, and messy content. Let's get started. What's up, mamas? Welcome to another episode of the Messy Mom Podcast. Hey, hey. Me and Bailey here just to kind of give you a little feedback on our second episode in the series we're doing on everything prenatal. So, you know, Bailey and I kind of kicked it off with some just some general advice, but we took it a lot deeper. <laughs> a lot deeper. <laughs> it went from it went from Carrie and Bailey's general advice to like <laughs> real. It was so good. So this one is all about optimizing your fertility. We brought uh, Brooks Vaughn. We've had her on the podcast a couple six months ago. Mm-hmm. She is a women's health nurse practitioner, and she, I mean, she specializes in helping, you know, fertility. It's just really cool. I, I mean, I'm like mind blown on the amount of information, the amount of information this podcast, you guys is insane. It's packed, jam packed. <laughs> it's packed. I think we got, we got way more than we ever anticipated in a great way. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I should have paid her for this. Oh, I know what she just went through. Like if you are trying to get pregnant or thinking about getting, even if you're not having issues getting pregnant, if you're just thinking about it, this is this whole podcast was everything I wish I would have known nine years ago when I was mm-hmm. pregnant with my first. Yeah, no, same. It's I I actually did it this time, but I did not do this with crew the first yeah. time when I had a bunch of fertility issues. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe if I would have done what she said, you know, when I first wanted to get pregnant, I would have not had that situation. It's just crazy. All the things that she said, like that you can start doing you know, naturally from a health, from an exercise, from a nutrition standpoint, just from labs, what labs you should get pulled right now if you're thinking about conceiving in the next six months to a year. Mm-hmm. So much great information. We we think you're going to love this one. And like we always say, she has the best accent on the planet. So <laughs> she really does. Just sit back, enjoy, and listen to this little Southern Belle tell you everything you need to know <laughs> about fertility and blood work. I mean, seriously. Took the words out of my mouth. Right? Southern Belle. This little Southern Belle. She's yeah, so cute. She is. All right, mamas. Enjoy this one. Hey, Brooks. Welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. We're so glad to have you. We thought you would be a perfect fit for this series, and we knew we had to have you back. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you. I'm excited to be back, and I love that Bailey and I, we just realized we're, what, one week apart? Yeah. Yes. One week apart and one week apart. Yes. We're both in the thick of what we're talking about right now. So. I know. Yeah. I love it. It's perfect. 
prenatal series. It's well, I'm trying to think about when you were on last. It wasn't too long ago, was it? Or was it? It was summer. And I think I knew. Oh, I think we probably both knew. But yeah. we announced it yet. So early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, fine. I, I did it. not know you were pregnant the last time we talked. Mm-hmm. Or if you yeah. did, we did not know. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were both kind of early on. I think it was like, what, July maybe? Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it all kind of blurs together this time around. The first time I felt like I knew like every day and when I announced and all things. And now this time around, I'm like, I, I honestly have no idea. I'm like not taking as many bump picture. Like it's just, <laughs> Carrie's like, are you taking bump pictures? I was like, uh, no, I kind of forgot about it. Whoops. <laughs> I am the exact way. I mean, even yeah. people ask me like, how much longer do you have? I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I just wish it was shorter. (laughs) (laughs) It truly is different the second time. It is. is. Well, for those who have not listened to our first episode, why don't you just give us a little insight, tell us a little bit about yourself, your hobbies, your schooling, anything you want to share. Okay, great. Well, I'm Brooks Vaughn. I am a women's health nurse practitioner. I'm the founder of the Women's Health Company, which is a clinic that's, I call it a boutique hormone and whole health clinic where we just really dive deeper into a lot of issues related to women's health, whether that be hormonal concerns that are also intertwined with all the other things whole health related. And then also have a fun little time on Instagram, just sharing education pieces when it comes to women's health. So that's sort of what the women's health company is. And then, yeah, I have a little girl who is going to be two in December. So I almost am going to have two under two. I'm due in January. And so we barely. Right on the, right on the mm-hmm. edge. <laughs> uh, yeah. And my husband's name is Skylar. We live right outside of Athens, Georgia. We're big dog fans. We both went to UGA for undergrad. And I went to Vanderbilt for my grad program. Graduated from there. We lived in Charlotte for about seven years where I worked at a big OBGYN clinic. And then we just felt called back to Athens and back to closer to home. And I always sort of had a dream of opening my own clinic, but had no idea what that would ever look like, especially as a nurse practitioner. But lots of really cool doors were opened. And here we are. We're about four four months in from actually seeing people in person or virtually. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So yeah, we're going, we're doing it. That's awesome. I, you know, it's funny. I feel like men have so many great hobbies. My husband has like golf and hunting and <laughs> I like to cook and work out. I guess work out, you know, those are kind of my, my extra hobbies when I have time to do them. I love to bake like healthy, healthy options. That, oh, I think like, you mentioned that yes. last time. Yeah, that's cool. To do is like take what I grew up on and tried to make it a little, try to make it a little healthier because it tastes great, but it also is loaded with butter and sugar and good stuff. <laughs> stuff. All the good things. <laughs> yeah, I think now that you say that, I think we were t- right when we talked last. I don't think you had opened your practice yet. I think that was like, are you yeah. either getting ready to do like it? We was like weeks away. So this yep. is all. Yes. Yes. It was. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, right. Full circle. Mm -hmm. Full circle. I know. It's been so much fun and also just a huge learning experience. Y'all know, just starting your own business, it's 
it's exciting and then I'm learning as I go. So it's been good. You just have but, to get started and everything will work its way out. <laughs> that's so true. It does. It definitely does. So and it's been good. And we had to have you on again because you have the best southern accent yes. ever. I think we told you that last time. We're like, we're just gonna have you on again just so we can listen to talk to your voice. <laughs> it used to be a lot thicker, a lot more. And I feel like moving away has it's sometimes when I go back home, I'm from a little town in South Georgia. They're like, Where'd your accent go? You don't even have one. I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> You're like, I do. <laughs> Just not as That's funny how that works. I know. It is. It's funny. Well, it's the best. We love it. it. Is. <laughs> well, thank and Brooks, obviously, you know, we talked a little bit in the intro that we are talking about optimizing your fertility and we're doing a prenatal series and kind of just going through like basically how to prepare yourself for for pregnancy now, optimizing your fertility and basically just taking our listeners kind of on the very beginning to the very end stages of pregnancy. So kind of diving right on in, obviously you're currently expecting, um, like you had mentioned. So what are some of the first things you do if you were considering getting pregnant within the next year or two or that you did do? Like if you're someone considering getting pregnant, what do you recommend? Yeah, I think it's so preconception health and preconception care is just it's it's so crucial, it's so important. It's kind of like having all of the ingredients to bake a cake. You don't just bake a cake. You have to do the prep beforehand mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on. And so I would say primarily what I did and what I recommend for most of my patients to do is to really hone in on nutrition and exercise, blood work. Well, I know we're going to talk a little bit about that later. I think blood work is so important to get you know, six months to a year before you start actively trying if you can, and then take another look at it when you're actively trying, especially if there's anything at all that is found in that, in those results. But from a nutrition and an exercise standpoint, you know, we know that there are key nutrients that are super important for fertility and for pregnancy, primarily vitamin D, choline, omega-3s like DHA and EPA and protein and iron. Those are some of the main ones. And B vitamins, B12 and folate are also very important. And so I usually recommend, and this is why I love to sit down with patients and like do an assessment of your nutrition and your lifestyle and see, am I getting enough calories or am I eating too much in a day? Like, what does my diet look like? And how can I kind of clean it up to make sure that I'm optimizing those key nutrients and, and supplementing where I need to be? And supplement, you know, it's interesting with supplements. A lot of people just start them as soon as they get a positive pregnancy test. And we want you, I want my patients to be on them three to six months prior to getting pregnant because most people don't even know they're pregnant for a couple of weeks. And those first few weeks are so crucial from a micronutrient level for a baby's brain and neurological development and all of the things and for egg quality before you get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so nutrition, I would t- take a hard look at my diet. I would get on a good exercise regimen if I wasn't already, because we know also that when you get pregnant, if you are already on an exercise regimen and you can start an exercise regimen in pregnancy, but it's just not advised to start something 
that your body's not used to, for instance, like a higher intensity type exercise. But if you are already on an exercise regimen in pregnancy or before pregnancy, when you get pregnant and as you, your pregnancy develops, there are some really cool studies that have shown that the placenta actually it forms in such a way that when you exercise, baby continues to be oxygenated. Like there's enough blood vessels perfusing to baby that allows and doesn't divert oxygen and nutrients away from the baby when you do exercise. So people who have a sedentary lifestyle prior to pregnancy, I don't recommend just staying sedentary after pregnancy, but I always say if you can start something and be, be just diligent with your, your movement before you get pregnant, it's a whole lot easier and safer even to maintain that throughout your whole pregnancy. So exercise regimen and then supplementation. Again, I usually use blood work to help guide that some and a diet assessment or a nutrition assessment, but in general, a prenatal, starting a good quality prenatal vitamin and then looking at iron, vitamin D, B12, and DHA and EPA. Those are some of the ones. And choline. There's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there are. There are a lot that we, you know, I, I like to kind of educate my patients on, but kind of looking at those to see, do I need additional supplementation or, or not? And then having a good blood panel beforehand, before you get pregnant. So, you know, if there's anything going on that you need to address well in advance before you get pregnant. And then, you know, if, especially if there is to reevaluate that right before you start trying. Great segue to this next question. So you mentioned labs and I know like lots of people get labs, obviously right when they get pregnant and Mm -hmm. Bailey and I always talk about like, it's so, it's so important to have a baseline. I'm like a big proponent of, I get every lab pulled at every annual Mm -hmm. physical. I think I drive my doctor nuts, but I don't care because Mm -hmm. I, I like to see like, even he's like, you know, they're, they were fine last year. I know, but are they fine this year? I don't know. Exactly. So you can, and you can throw out the ones that you normally, you know, test for that every, or most, what most OBs test for. But what do you think? Are there any that are underrated or, oh, yeah, like what's underrated? Like, has someone, are there things that you pull that maybe most OBs don't typically pull? Yes, for sure. So a lot of times when you go to an OB or, or even a primary care doctor for screening labs, they do a CBC, which is a complete blood count. They do a CMP, which is a comprehensive metabolic panel. They do a lipid panel, which is your cholesterol. They do a hemoglobin A1C, which is your average blood sugar over three months. And they do a TSH. And that's usually, that's like, from what I've seen with most of my patients, that's like the primary thing. And some great doctors and providers will go a little bit further and they'll add, you know, maybe a ferritin, maybe a B12. But that's usually kind of the baseline that a lot of people have. And then we call precon. The other thing they do for preconception testing is they look to see if you're immune to varicella and rubella, which are communicable diseases that we don't want you to get when you're pregnant. So if you're not immune, then they rec- recommend that if you were planning to get immunized, that you do that three months prior to pregnancy. But I I think that there are several that are really important to look at that are under tested and underrated. One is a full thyroid panel. I love to look at a full thyroid panel just because TSH is, and in most people, if they have a normal TSH, then their T4 and T3 
are going to be fine. But I've seen enough, especially in doing this for a while when I do a full panel where people may have a pretty normal TSH, but their T3, which is the most active thyroid hormone, is not normal. And they don't feel, they don't feel well. So I love testing, especially if a patient has anything at all that could resemble a thyroid disorder. If they have fatigue or hair loss or weight gain or weight loss or dry skin, brittle nails, joint pain, anything like that, I'll usually do a full thyroid panel, which is a TSH. I usually do free and total T4 and then free and total T3. A lot of people just do free T4 and free T3, which is okay too. Ferritin, which is just a, it's the first line indication of an iron deficiency. And we know that iron is so crucial for a baby's neurological development for, we know that iron deficiencies in pregnancy can lead to preterm labor, preterm delivery, premature or, or, um, intrauterine growth restrictions. We know that it can lead to a lot of things. So I don't know why it's not just routinely tested. It's a simple, cheap blood test. So ferritin is one that I really like to look at because you can have a normal CBC. And a lot of providers will say, well, if your CBC is normal, you're not anemic. But you can have a normal CBC, which is a normal blood count, and your ferritin levels be low and you can be symptomatic. It can impact a pregnancy, but it also can lead to anemia down the road. And so I always say, you know, if you think about this is the example that I use because it's just kind of a good visual. If you think about like, you know, in a rich person's home, they have a wine cellar down in their basement and they have a wine cooler on their counter and or, or a wine refrigerator in their house and then wine on the counter. This the ferritin is the cellar. It's like the the stores and that's gonna run out well before what's on the counter starts to even run out. And that's your hemoglobin. Your hemoglobin is is oxygen that's carried throughout your blood to organs and body parts. So we really want to treat ferritin well before you become anemic. So ferritin is another one. B12 is another one that I think is overrated or I'm sorry, not overrated, underrated Under. and under-tested. B12, the, the average range of normal in the U.S. for B12 levels is around 200 and something, 230 to depending on the lab you look at, 1,200 to 2,000. It's The range varies pretty widely based on lab value, what the lab that you're looking at. But in Europe and Japan, they actually have changed their lower limits of normal, and they treat people with B12 injections if their levels are below 550, which is really fascinating to me. A lot of you know, I test B12 a lot and it's very rare that I find a woman who has a B12 level of 550 if she's not supplementing. And we know that, and again, that's not every, that doesn't mean that if your levels are below 550, that your baby is going to have developmental issues. That's not the case at all. We know that severe B12 deficiency is where we can see neural tube defects and neurological issues with mom or baby. Folate is is kind of the other one that I do look at as well. We can look at that with blood as well to see how you're absorbing it. What does it look like? So I do like to look at those levels to see 
How how high are they? Do we need to supplement? Because a lot of times we do. And if we do supplement, I like to monitor to see are we actually absorbing? Because some women don't absorb B12. And B12 actually holds up our entire nervous system. So it's really important for fertility, but also for pregnancy and for a growing baby. And then the other one that I think is 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 interesting to look at aside from a hemoglobin A1C and a fasting metabolic panel, which looks at your blood sugar, is fasting insulin from a fertility standpoint and just from a like future pregnancy standpoint. I know we'll, we're going to talk about blood sugar a little bit. Insulin is elevated when blood sugar is released into your bloodstream. And so it's kind of like the ferritin. Some women can have a normal fasting blood sugar and a normal hemoglobin A1C, which is an average measure of your blood sugar over three months, but their fasting insulin can be really high. And that tells me, oh, your body's, your you have some insulin resistance or your body's having to, your pancreas is working extra hard to control your blood sugar, which really can impact your fertility, but also your pregnancy. So I love to look at fasting insulin. And the other one that I like to look at is something called a CRP, which is a C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. And it's just something when we're screwing, I'm screening women, it, it can, I use it in women of all ages just to kind of look to see is there some inflammation going on. It can indicate infection, autoimmune, or inflammation around the heart. And it has been actually associated with positive or negative pregnancy outcomes. And so a lot of times I'll look at that when I'm screening women just in their, at their preconception visit. So those are just some basic screening ones that aren't considered basic anymore, you know, that I think 90% of women haven't had tested that are easy and cheap, honestly, to ask for, really cheap to ask for. Most insurance covers all of those. And vitamin D is the other one. I forgot to mention that vitamin D is important to take a look at too, because it's so important for pregnancy. So Mm -hmm. that's, I don't even know. I was trying to think back, like it's been, it's been a minute since I was pregnant, but it just, I don't think I ever had a preconception appointment or it was even like not suggested. Like I am a crazy about blood work because, you know, and I've been in nutrition for a long time and I know how important it is. So I've always done it annually. So I kind of had these baselines. But I'm pretty sure my OB, when I wanted to get pregnant with Kate, mm-hmm. when we started, she's like, make sure you're on a prenatal vitamin. That was my consult. Like, you ought to take in a prenatal vitamin? Sweet. We're like, set. Here we go. It's like, yes. wow. There's so much that, and I'm, you know, in their defense, they just don't have the time. I mean, that sounds right. sad. I know. The way that the healthcare system is, they just don't have the time to educate, to dive mm-hmm. deeper. You know, even when I went for my, you know, you know, you have like the eight vials of blood drawn mm-hmm. and then the first trimester, you know, it's frustrating because you get your bill back and it's like, I mean, thankfully with my insurance, they cover most of it, but it's so much blood work and eight vials of blood and it's all important things, but it's like, do you have HIV, syphilis or hepatitis? Are what it's a CBC and it's a metabolic panel and then everything else is drug testing <laughs> and it's like where's the preventative care like that's all well that's what I was gonna say it's like if they're taking that much blood and it's not that expensive and most insurance 
you know, covers some of it. Why don't they just go ahead and test you for that? It's not like they have to do anything extra on their end, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think a lot of it has to do with the time on the backside of, Mm -hmm. okay, now we have to address. Tell them what we're Mm -hmm. doing and. Yeah. Mm. And, and it's just not, it's not recommended. I mean, it's not ACOGS. A lot of practices go by what ACOG recommends as far as mm-hmm. prenatal testing. And it's, you know, the main things from a public health standpoint are we've got to look at these major, you know, and they do, they should all test thyroid levels as well. Mm-hmm. But I have had so many patients who their thyroid is not tested in pregnancy at all. Like I see a lot of people postpartum and I, I can see their blood work. I'm like your thyroid was never tested when you were pregnant. And it's because they didn't have a history of a thyroid disorder and they had no symptoms. And so if that were the case, some providers don't even look at that, you know? So mm-hmm. I think you just have to add, I mean, it's, it's true. It's sad, but it's true that you just kind of have to advocate for yourself and be like, can you please add these? And I usually just tell a lot of patients, you know, especially as they get, once they do their preconception, when they are pregnant, I'm like, just ask them, can you draw these when you're drawing these regular labs? I'm fine with you running it through my insurance. Like, you know, mm-hmm. insurance is most likely going to cover a, a B12, ferritin yeah. and a vitamin D. Not always vitamin D. Sometimes it's about mm-hmm. $50, you know, to test a vitamin D. It can be an, a more expensive test, but I do think it's worth it because I do mm-hmm. think you know, and a lot of people say, oh, well, everybody's deficient in vitamin D. So everybody needs to take vitamin D. But, you know, if someone's really deficient or somebody is taking it, that really changes the dosing and it changes, you know, if they're taking it and they're not absorbing it, that's a whole nother problem. So I, I like to test it just because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. It's almost like you really have to seek it out yourself because I remember last year, I was going to a lot of doctor's appointments and I wanted to get like that entire blood panel, like basically everything you mentioned. And my doctor really wouldn't do it. So I had to go, I went to a, um, it's not that he wouldn't do it. It's just that I kind of got this, like, you don't need it type answer. And I was like, well, I really want to know. And so I went and found like a, a different kind of what you do, like a woman's health nurse practitioner that was, you know, took everything and she just sat down with me and explained it all. And one, it was super interesting, but there were some areas that I needed to to work on a little yeah. bit. So absolutely. And I thought yeah, it's just a good report card so that you do know. You know, how mm-hmm. many times when I sit down with people and we look at blood work, it's like, okay, now that I know this, now I can I don't just feel like I'm throwing supplements at myself or I'm mm-hmm. trying like I know what I like specifically need to focus on. And that just makes Mm -hmm. it a whole lot easier to move forward with a plan and to feel good about that plan, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Are you currently pregnant, postpartum, or beyond? Lucky for you, Fit Mom on 30 has an exercise and nutrition program for every stage of motherhood. And the best part, the workouts are 30 minutes or less. We know there are about a million online fitness options at your fingertips, but our science-backed and doctor-approved fitness and nutrition programs are designed to support you wherever you're at. From safe and effective pre- and postnatal workouts to our 30-minute strength and cardio conditioning classes, there's truly something for everyone. Did we also mention that we have seasonal recipe guides to nourish not only you, but your entire family? Because let's face it, 
Ain't no one going to be making multiple meals in my house. We know finding the time to exercise and eat well can be challenging once you become a mom. And that's exactly why we started Fit Mom in 30. We want you to find your groove again with fitness and nutrition, which is why you can try any of our Fit Mom in 30 programs completely free for seven days. And if you decide you want to stick with us after the seven days, you can get $10 off your membership. All you have to do is enter the code podcast at checkout. So let's say that you have a patient come in and they want a preconception consultation and you do the blood work and you get the blood work back and it shows that they need to work on a certain area maybe before trying to conceive it, to have a better chance of conception. Mm-hmm. What are some, obviously we talked about, you know, supplementation, but outside of supplementation, what are some natural ways to boost your overall fertility? It's a good question. I think, you know, I will say, I will say this, I tell, I like to just kind of calm the waters with my patients and say, okay, you know, just because you have a pumpkin spice latte or <laughs> just because you really like this one type of laundry detergent that is not all natural, it is not going to be the primary reason that you don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really not. It's a cumulative effects of things over time that really impacts our fertility. And so just ways to support your your health in general are ways to support your, your natural fertility, but also supporting your egg quality. That's kind of one of the things I like to kind of talk through with people is when we support our egg quality or our ovarian health with our nutrition and our exercise and our lifestyle, we're supporting our fertility in in general. And we're kind of lowering that inflammatory threshold, if that makes sense. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, aside from targeted supplements, nutrition is key. We know that protein is the building block to hormones. And so we need a lot of women are not getting enough protein in their diet in a day. So I really focus on paying attention to protein. A lot of times I will recommend you hear, it's kind of contra- not controversial, but you'll, you'll hear different recommendations from a protein standpoint of how much do I really need to get? What I typically recommend for my patients, especially if they're not getting enough protein, if we feel like they're not getting what they need is I will say, take your body weight in pounds and cut that in half. And that is the minimum amount of protein that you want to get in a day. A lot of people say aim for a hundred grams of protein in a day or aim to get your actual body weight in grams of protein a day. So I would say a minimum threshold is to just take your body weight and cut it in half and try to get that in grams of protein daily because protein, again, is the building block (laughs) to everything, especially our hormones. And so we need protein. We need good quality fats, healthy fats help make up our hormone, our endocrine system as well. So lots of, you know, Avocado, nuts, seeds, salmon, you know, things like that can be very beneficial. The other thing is blood sugar regulation. It's interesting with blood sugar how uniquely, intricately intertwined it is with our hormones and with our reproductive system. And so I really advise a lot of my patients to pay attention to their blood sugar, even if they don't have prediabetes or diabetes, we know that 
keeping a stable blood sugar versus watching our blood sugar like ebb and flow is important. And so, you know, tips for that are obviously anchoring. I call it anchoring your meals with protein. So when you have anything that's going to turn into blood, you know, sugar into your blood, anchor that meal with protein. So if you have some pasta, add grilled chicken or some sort of protein rich food with it and fiber. There's an interesting study I was reading the other day where they looked at women's blood sugar levels prior to and after was they ate veggie lasagna. I don't know if y'all saw that, but it's, no. it was so interesting. So they took women who had a side salad before the lasagna and then they ate the lasagna and then they watched their blood sugar. And what they found was the blood sugar did spike a little bit after they ate the lasagna. But the women who had the side salad beforehand, their blood sugar kind of went up, but then it came back down and it just stayed steady for hours after that. The women who did not have a side salad and just had the lasagna, their blood sugar spiked, it came down and then it spiked again. And, and it was just kind of all over the place. And what they found was what the, the thought process is, is fiber helps coat your stomach and your intestines. And so mm-hmm. it slows gastric emptying and release of blood sugar into your bloodstream. And so it's more of a steady, it, it kind of keeps your blood sugar steady over time versus the spiking. So a lot of times I will say, anchor your meals with protein. And especially before a big meal that has any carbs in it, try instead of having bread at a restaurant to have a salad or something that has fiber in it to kind of, because blood sugar does play a huge role in how we feel in our general health and our metabolism, but also our fertility. So I would definitely say focus on blood sugar, focus on protein, get some exercise, limit your exposure to endocrine disruptors. That's one of the big ones. So endocrine disruptors are like phthalates, BPA, plastics. They actually, an endocrine disruptor mimics estrogen in our bodies. So Hormones are chemical messengers that travel through our bloodstream and they attach to a cell receptor like a lock and key and they open that cell and they tell it what to do. And natural production, our natural production of hormones like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and thyroid hormone usually fits like a really good lock and key on those cell receptors. But the endocrine disruptors like plastics and phthalates can almost mimic those those hormones because they can look very similar in our body to what our body is making, but they don't look the exact same. And so they can actually block the ability for, for those natural hormones to do their job in our body. And they can actually cause further issues. They can cause, you know, an, an, a disruption in estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So we see there was a study Years ago at Stanford, yes, it was at Stanford in California, and they were studying rats' reproduction. And rats are, are oddly enough, very similar to <laughs> humans when it comes to reproduction. That's who we study. We study all the, all of the rats when it comes to fertility and pregnancy. And they were, they were doing something else with the rats. They were monitoring their you know, egg quality, their fertility rates, all these things. Well, something happened with the lab where these rats had to be moved to another lab. And all of a sudden, 
they started the rat's fertility drastically declined in all of these rats. And they started to have higher rates of chromosomal variations with, with their rat, like, and higher miscarriage rates, lower fertility, lower egg quality. You know, like what in the world is going on? We, nothing has changed with what we're feeding them. Nothing like the only thing that's changed is we moved them to this other lab. Well, what they found out after they did a little research was the rats were getting water from a glass water bottle. And then they, when they switched them, they moved them to a, a lab where their water was in a plastic water bottle. And so they're like, maybe, maybe that. And it's really, and this is nuts, but they switched back to the glass water bottles and the rat's fertility returned to what it was normal. Wow. It's bizarre. So that was, that kind of started the, that was one of the first like, places where, where, you know, mainstream medicine started to realize, oh yeah, there is something to our environment and our reproduction and there is something to plastics. And, and so I do recommend, I always say, you know, you cannot eliminate plastics altogether. You can't, there's just, it's impossible. It's everywhere, but small changes do really make a huge difference. And so like I said earlier, it's the cumulative effect of all of the things that can impact our fertility. And so if you can, for instance, switch from a, a plastic water bottle to a stainless steel or a glass, if you can store your food in glass and use like a cast iron skillet or a stainless steel skillet versus a nonstick skillet, like those are small things that actually really make a big difference when it comes to our egg quality and our fertility and even just our overall general health and, you know, in general. So those are, and then stress reduction. <laughs> oh yeah. The big one, right? This is, <laughs> so this is to all the husbands out there who don't like our Stanleys. Yeah. <laughs> Brooks, Brooks just said it was a great decision. It's a great decision. <laughs> Cheers. I'm, from now on, every, every time I get a new water bottle, I'm just going to tell my husband it's for my health. It's a great decision. For health. Absolutely. It is it's for my health. If you told him fertility health, he might be a little <laughs> he'd scared. Like, he'd like go back. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. That was great Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Those are I know. There are others, but that would probably be the, the main things that I would say just to support your eggs and your egg health is really just being healthy in general and paying attention to those things. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I, my mom, she has so many plastic water bottles. That's like all they drink out of. And I'm like, mom, you've got to get rid of your plastic water bottles. Got to get rid of your plastic water bottles. And she, every time she comes over to my house, she's like, where's your water bottles? I was like, you know, we don't have plastic water bottles. <laughs> I was like, so you're just going to have to change. She's like, I know, I know, but it is so important. I really feel strongly about that. And I would love that study. So I'm going to have to, yeah, that's a good one to look that one up or have you send it to me so that yeah. we can put that in our show notes for sure. Yeah. Cause I think I just want to show my mom, honestly. <laughs> I know it, I have a, a good friend that her mother-in-law washes all of their like she has so like plastic solo cups and plastic forks and those and she puts them in the dishwasher and just oh, don't they melt and I'm like how in the world there's that is so bad uh, <laughs> no yeah no please don't please don't do that we'll throw them away mm -hmm. when we go over there yeah please don't do that i know 
Well, our final question is really just getting to know a little bit more about what you do and what a preconception consultation looks like. So tell just, yeah, tell us a little bit more about what that looks like if you have someone interested in a preconception consultation and what does it include? Yeah. So I, I do see patients virtually and in person. I am licensed in Georgia. So in Georgia, if I see a patient in person, at least once, especially I can obviously order blood work, diagnose, treat, write prescriptions for patients out of state virtually. I I see them on a coaching basis. And so I kind of Mm -hmm. like guide them and give them recommendations from a nutrition lifestyle supplement standpoint, but I can't write prescriptions and diagnose and treat them. But typically for a preconception visit, what I love to do is just hear about their health history. So we talk a lot about, you know, when did you start having periods? What did they look like? What do they look like now? Have you had any health complications over the years? We go over everything health history wise, family history we look at on the patient's side and her partner's side. We look at her lifestyle, her nutrition. A lot of times I like to look at her partner's nutrition and lifestyle a little bit. I don't treat men, but I just kind of like to see what's going on with them too, because, you know, it takes two to tango. Yeah. (laughs) It's not always just about the female. Absolutely. And so we talk a lot about nutrition, lifestyle, supplement, supplementation. If they're in Georgia, I go ahead and order all the blood work. If they're out of state, there are some ways that, you know, I, I can definitely help make recommendations on where to find a place to do, to do their labs. Mm-hmm. There are lots of options available now that actually patients can order on their own, which is really cool, honestly. And so there's actually a lab that's owned by a group of physicians called Grassroots Lab. It doesn't, they don't require, or they don't accept insurance. You have to self-pay, but it's mm-hmm. a lot cheaper than most self-pay labs and you can order your blood work and it prints a quest form and you go to quest their physician signs that you go to quest and you get your labs drawn there. So a lot of times patients can do that if they, if their provider won't, you know, order their blood work for them. So we go over nutrition, lifestyle, supplements, blood work, and then we come up with just a fertility optimization game plan where we you know, come up with, you know, here's, here are some recommendations based on what you're telling me for your nutrition, for your sleep, for your supplements. And then we just come up with a plan of care moving forward. And it just kind of really depends on the person as far as what they need. You know, if they need more follow-up, if there's something that we need to address, like a thyroid disorder or a blood sugar issue, a lot of times we, we follow them very closely over the course of their fertility. And sometimes I do fertility tests, like lab testing for fertility, depending on what the patient wants and and what their periods look like and that kind of thing. So yeah, it just really is self, it's individualized per patient, but it always includes history. You know, a lot of times physical stuff, we talk about, yeah, nutrition supplements and lifestyle. So I just think it's so cool. I wish every... I would have done it. Like that's what even if you like for you, like I would have if I would have known you back then. Oh, I would have. Like even if you couldn't have treat, you know, prescribed and treated me, like it would have been very nice to have someone guide you. It's such a big I mean, 
we take pregnancy like it's just, it just happens. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. And even if it does just happen for you, there's so much that's involved with your health and your body that having someone like you to have like, hey, let's at least look at this. Let's kind of like guide you through yeah. the process. I don't know. It would have been amazing. Well, and thank you. I so appreciate that. And you're, you know, we're just not taught those things in school. Like we just, a lot of times when you get ready to have a baby, you come off of birth control and you're like, okay, I don't know other than what you find on the internet of how to optimize or track your fertility or, you know, you just are clueless. And so a lot of times just, I have, I have several patients who I see on a coaching basis where they have a medical provider that they see and they like and they love, but they're like, I get 10 minutes and I don't get to ask all these questions. Yeah, you, you, know? can't. So you can't. So yeah, that's where, that's where I like Pippin. I love it. I've actually sent, I think one of my friends here was asking, she's having some issues. I'm like, you should give Brooks a call. <laughs> I'm happy to refer you because I think it's great to have, even if she has someone here, it's great to bounce ideas off or get a second, you know, like have yeah. you there to just coach and look. I don't know. I love it. Thank you. Grateful for what you do because I think you're about to help. You already are, but I think you're going to help a ton of women. Well, thank you so much. Same to y'all. I'm so grateful for what you thank do. Thank you. You have helped me so much, especially in my fitness journey throughout pregnancy and postpartum. Oh my goodness. I can't tell you how many times I've done stood in the mirror and done my diaphragm. Breathing. <laughs> breathing. Yes. <laughs> I love it. It's a big thing of what we do. Oh, it has to be. I know. <laughs> well, you taught me. Well, <laughs> good. I appreciate that. Before we hop off here, Brooks, tell everyone where they can find you. Where do you hang out the most often? Where can people find you? Instagram is where I hang. I'm not cool yet. I just can't. <laughs> I'm not good with TikTok or Twitter or even thread. I have threads, but I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Right now. Same. So Instagram. Same. The Women's Health Company. And then my website is thewomenshealthcompany.com. Awesome. We'll put that in our show notes too. So people can just click and find you as well. And we'll be giving you shout outs because we really, really appreciate what you are doing. You're changing women's lives and we love it. Well, thank you. Same to y'all. Truly. We appreciate it. And thanks for coming back on. We love talking to you and hearing your voice. <laughs> <laughs> You're sweet. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye, mamas. Bye. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. You can find us on Instagram at fitmamain30. That's F-I-T-M-A-M-A-I-N-3-0. And let us know what you liked about this episode. We love hearing your feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show on our website, www.fitmamain30.com, along with our programs for prenatal, postnatal, and beyond. Until next time, bye mamas. Bye.